This is Irish Illustrated Insider Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson, a couple days after Notre Dame's 24-13 loss to Cincinnati. You know, as I went through the game and looked at a lot of aspects of it, and I came away leaving the stadium feeling this way, but, I mean, Luke Fickle and the staff uh, in Cincinnati, I, I thought Cincinnati outplayed Notre Dame. I thought they outcoached them. They came into Notre Dame Stadium and deserved to win a football game from start to finish. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought that Fickle and his staff did an excellent job. Um, you know, it's, uh, how they – and I think a lot of things they did were, were not like whiz-bang. Oh, I didn't see that coming. Like, we knew Desmond Ritter was a threat running the ball in, you know, key situations. We knew Desmond Ritter was a threat pushing the ball vertically. Brian Kelly knew that as well. Um, so they – Cincinnati knows who it is. Um, I'm not saying Notre Dame doesn't, but they definitely don't have the clear identity of this is what we are, this is what we do well, uh, um, in the way that Cincinnati does, and that that is a that's a nod. You got to give make that a nod to coaching. Yeah, knowing that I mean, knowing that Desmond Ritter's your starting quarter quarterback helps solidify and answer a lot of those questions about knowing who you are of as the four year starter, Tim. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I agree that Cincinnati played better, and I also feel like Cincinnati did not play worse. They didn't come close to beating themselves, which Notre Dame did when you have your graduate senior quarterback throw a ridiculous freshman year of high school pick at the goal line that he would get you pulled from any practice. And, you know, you're a really good kick returner. Obviously lost concentration on one there. There's two plays Notre Dame gives him. Cincinnati takes another uh, with the play on Tyler Buckner. That's what the Bearcats do. That's what Notre Dame does to quarterbacks. You create turnovers like that. They created a short field. Notre Dame was able to create one short field as well. Yeah. Um, I just, I felt like it, I, I brought up the, the coaching point and someone's like, I, I, well, I don't think I'd take Fickle over Kelly. I wouldn't take this. That it, Not everything is a moratorium on programs. Cincinnati outcoached Notre Dame in, that, in the, the week of practice and in the game. If Brian, Brian Kelly didn't think that he thought the wide receivers would be able to beat the press coverage. It's good to have faith in your team, but why would you think that? I don't know. We didn't see any evidence of it on, on Saturday. Now, I, you know, I agree. And I, and I object to the notion that Cincinnati's not very good or they're not t- top 10. I don't think they're as good as they were last year. Okay. But how can you come away after watching that game and not be impressed with Luke Fickle's team and program and discipline? And I mean, when I look at their lineup, the following players would start for Notre Dame this year. Desmond Ritter, obviously. Alec Pierce, we talked about him during the week. It was a mismatch against Clarence Lewis. Michael Young would start for Notre Dame. He did at one point. Uh, Tyler Scott was eliminated by Cam Hart, but he's a game breaker. And then defensively, MyJ Sanders, Darian Beaver, the, the linebacker. I mean, you know, Tarico and, and, and Breeze are talking about he's the prototypical Steelers Ravens outside linebacker, which I agree with three of their four guys in the secondary would start for Notre Dame this year. So what is it that we're not impressed by? I mean, you can say, and I think a lot of that is just, you know, frustration and fandom and, you know, Notre Dame should be better and Brian Kelly should out coach. And I agree with all of that, but the fact of the matter is Cincinnati is a really well-coached football team and Luke Fickle is such a good coach that someday he could be the head coach of Notre Dame. This was a, a pretty good check in that column for 2025. Well, that's um, how Eric Parsegian got the job at Notre Dame because he was at yeah. Northwestern and he whipped Notre Dame's ass three years in a row. And make no mistake, Cincinnati whipped Notre Dame's ass Saturday. Yeah, I mean, they just they, – they had a good plan of attack. I mean, yeah, I, I, we all covered Mike Denbrock. You feel good for him on a personal level to come into Notre Dame and save him and, and win – when you know you didn't get an opportunity to go back to be the OC after 2016, um, you know it's the way that he put together the not a game-winning drive, but sort of game-clinching drive. I thought was really impressive. Like how how do you take Kyle on the 36-yard play to Leonard Taylor? Like how do you get Kyle Hamilton out of the play? Have him be looked off by Ritter? Then he knew how to hit Marcus Freeman's scheme there where that slot tight end 
is matched up with J.D. Bertrand, yeah. who, you know, Bertrand had been sort of run into the ground at that point. Um, you know, it was going against a better athlete than Taylor, where I think the core, I can't think, can't remember if the corner was Lewis or Hart, but like they're sort of playing a trail technique on him where the middle of the field is wide open. And that, that takes good coaching and a player who can recognize it. And then, you know, down at the end when they really need it, you go to your best player, Ritter, runs it in for the, touchdown again against Bertrand who's he's a, he's a better athlete than and you know that uh, Bertrand is essentially playing 100% of the snaps at this point um it was you know it was good scheme it was well devised and it was well executed so I think you got to give uh, a lot of credit to Cincinnati that way and I think I would ding Notre Dame um and it's tough to say this because we, I think we're gonna get into this when we start talking about Drew Pine and Jack Cohen especially Pine I, w- I would ding Notre Dame offensive staff and Brian Kelly on I guess it's just recent Kelly on when they got Drew Pine in the game. I, I know that we don't know more about what Drew Pine does in practice and what Jack Cohn looks like in practice and all these things. There's a feel Brian Kelly says there's an art and a science to it. There's an art and a feel of when Drew Pine should have gotten in that game. And it was sometime before or after Tyler Buckner's second series. When you realize we're going to Buckner two times because Cone can't move the ball. Wait a minute. We have a guy that I think can move the ball. Yeah. It's either the 10-minute mark or the four-minute mark, and both would have helped. He could have driven him for a field goal. He could have – 10-minute mark would have been different. Maybe he doesn't do it. I'm not saying Drew Pine is a cure-all, but, Tim, six of 10 Pine drives, you said, on the walkout today? Have been yeah, he's, he's been – yeah, he said 10 drives, three touchdowns, a field goal, a 40-yard drive, and a 50-yard drive. I mean, that's six out of 10. And, you know, he struggled. I mean, there were some accuracy issues with oh, him when he yeah, was yeah. in there. And and maybe, you know, crossing routes and, and slants and stuff, maybe he just doesn't – have a great feel for that. And so maybe that's, that's happening in, in practice. And I, and I understand that, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, we both during the first half, it's like, I, I know you don't want to play three quarterbacks in the first half. It's unusual and it's difficult to prepare for that, but the situation dictated it. And go you ahead. Are Tim. Ben, you are benching cone. If you put in pine in the first half, I know you're benching him in the second half anyway, but I'm trying to think of reasons why the playing three quarterbacks, that's probably you're not going back to cone to start the second half. Right. I mean, well, that's maybe just not, a, but I mean, what, what is it? And I don't, I don't mean it's going to sound harsh in saying it, but I mean, what do you owe Jack cone? What, what exactly no, are we? I, I mean, maybe he wasn't totally sure he wanted to play pine because as Pete pointed out in the press conference today, what happened on the pine misread on fourth down for Aiden Lindsay. And then right, Brian Kelly an, starts right. telling us that these are all things we don't have total access right. to. An, so another... I asked the question because, like, I think the perception is, well, well, Pine will solve everything, and he he is just as accomplished a passer as Jack Cohn. Like, he's not. If he was, he would have already been in the game. Like, I, you know, I'm Jack Cohn. Like, where where he needs to be really good is the vertical passing game, and he has not been over the last few. I think in the last three games on passes of 20 yards or more he's two of 13 for 98 yards and two touchdowns like that's not that's not getting it done um for your strength because we know what the weaknesses are um drew pine has different strengths but he also has different weaknesses uh and you know that was why i asked kelly about the fourth down play to Lindsay. uh that's a weakness of pine right now just sort of understanding coverages and where the ball needs to go automatically right um, and we said last week, you know, I mean, small sample size, Pine's shortcomings haven't been exposed yet. And so now we saw a little bit of that. But I do think that he's the guy that you go to because you have to stabilize the position. And Brian yeah. Kelly said today, they know who the starter is going to be this week. Um, we're not, he's not going to tell us. Will we find out, you know, sometime before kickoff? I think it's pretty likely, but uh, he thinks it's pretty likely. Yeah, he thinks it's pretty. He thinks he he thinks it's pretty likely too. But but in Pine, you have you have an Ian Book like presence, but the difference is that Book was a a run first quarterback by choice, and Pine is a pass first quarterback by choice who can run. So I think you kind of get the best of both worlds there. and we're going to find out. And now, you know, so now you have a situation. Okay, let's say it is Drew Pine. His first start's going to be at Virginia Tech. How's that going to, how's that go? I mean, I, I think he'll handle himself because he's that kind of, I think, personality. But man, that's, you know, you throw him in the starting lap at Virginia Tech 
and that gets a little bit complicated, a lot more complicated than people want to give credit to. He, he will not be as nervous as he was in the game he referenced during his post-game press conference when he had to walk into the Alabama game on third and 17. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was really funny. It was pretty cool. He brought that up. He's like, yeah, the guys have been behind me ever since I walked in and I was pretty scared <laughs> for the Alabama game. I mean, that's, a, that's, that's a, a matter of, that's a matter of personal safety. <laughs> yeah. That was an awful situation. Now I, I do think Drew Pine will handle it well, but as we said, yeah, it's, it's not an ideal time for your first start. I don't yeah, feel like I mean, it's it, going to be loud. It'd be night, like silent count, false starts, calling out protections. I mean, there's a lot on this dude's plate in a short amount of time. Um, you know, the, the things that you take for granted with Jack Cohn, you know, I think just general composure and the ability to manage the offense, like suddenly are on the table again. So that that's tricky. Um, but the way where the Notre Dame's run game is right now, uh, it's built around having a running threat at quarterback and that, they don't have that with Jack Cohn. They do with Drew Pine to a certain extent. Like at that, you just you just got to go in that direction. The injury situation, Michael Mayer, I believe he said an adductor injury, which yes, I'm kind of familiar with that. And that is a you feel weak. I mean, it's like a groin injury. You feel weak. There's a there's a weakness there. You lack confidence in your ability to be strong with it. But Michael Mayer. You know, Michael Mayer's a, a little bit different animal, and we saw him play through a lot on Saturday. So they'll, they'll manage that this week, and he he will play. Michael Carmody ankle should be better. We now know that Tosh Baker, exactly, it was concussion. He is in protocol. And then what was your guys' interpretation of his comments about Heinisch? I was surprised he wasn't fully cleared. Um, he said Heinisch should be ready to play, but the medical team makes the final decision. There's some optimism there. Now I'm wondering if Kurt Heinrich is held out because the bye week is coming because it's, I mean, it's either a head or a neck injury if he was in the protocol, right? Well, yeah, but he was, I mean, it's got to be, con- if it's concussion, because I don't know of another injury that has protocols to it. Um, that's just a really tricky injury. Like yeah. if you've had a concussion or lived with someone who's had one, um, you know, I've had two of those in my house in the last year. Like, you know, one cleared up, neither, neither of them cleared up right away. And I mean, it turned into like a, a year long saga. So it's, I don't, he did say he didn't have a concussion, man. right? I don't yeah, think I thought he, he said that two weeks ago, he said, it's not a concussion. It's something else, but that means it's brain and head related, right? Well, or neck related or neck, yeah. something in that area, which can be, I mean, obviously just as tricky just as, as sure, sure. in a different way, but just as yeah, I remember it, distinctly so. him saying like, him saying that Heinrich went to see a specialist, which I'm yeah. not really sure what. Well, and he, what, but, right. And he had said that he was excited because it wasn't a concussion or did I just. No, I, that is, it is very similar. I'll be, I'll be able to look that up while we're, when we go to the second All segment, right. for sure. I missed a lot of things. <laughs> I'm almost positive. That's what he's, I'm almost so positive. Maybe. That's what he said, that it's not a concussion. But. Yeah. All right. We're going to come back with uh, a whole bunch of optimistic questions in segment two, burning up the boards. Are you a business owner looking for an all-in-one point-of-sale and business management solution? Then visit Clover.com. Clover from Fiserv, an official payment and commerce partner of Notre Dame Athletics, can help. From accepting payments to tracking inventory, running loyalty programs, and everything in between, Clover helps businesses thrive. Visit Clover.com to learn more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Burning up the board, segment two, starting with Chad Flanagan. Any chance the staff is hesitant to go to Drew Pine out of fear of how it may impact Tyler Buckner, considering he is only one class behind him? Like no. right now? No. Not right if now. This was like, you know, in January, eh, maybe a different conversation. I don't even think in January, I think in August, right? Yeah, it's it, and yeah, it's at any point next year where where it feels like a long term decision. Right, right, right now it's just like 
let's get the offense figured turned around in a positive way. It doesn't matter how you do it. Yeah, I don't. Um, I mean, you, if you make a lot of decisions like that, you're not going to be around long as a head coach. Um, and I, first of all, I don't. I mean, Tyler Buckner, who I don't know, Pete, you know him better than me. He doesn't strike me as the kind of kid that is going to, you know, react not, negatively to competition or not after one year. You know, right. if this was later in his career, you know, he had been sitting for two years, like, you know, more of a Phil Jakovic situation then yeah, maybe, but it's so early days for, for Buckner and for Pine. Also like Pine hasn't started a game yet. So let's just, <laughs> let's just sort of see how this goes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think there would be any hesitancy because of that. You're in the middle of the season. It's, um, you know, self-preservation at this point, you got to make decisions that that's in the best interest of the team. Ray Beatles. At what point does Brian Kelly consider starting a quarterback that will be starting in Columbus, Ohio next season? I have something to offer, but I won't. Wouldn't it be great if Buckner saw some success in the passing game before that day? I'm all for taking lumps the rest of this season to get him ready for Ohio state and Clemson. Yikes, Uh, man, really? You're preparing for, I mean, you're probably going to lose the game anyway. You're going to you're going to you're you're, you're going to you're going to compromise and sacrifice victories now. I don't know too many coaches. I mean, I you know, I'm sure like if you're dealing with a Peyton Manning or a Trevor Lawrence or you know, you think in those terms. But I mean, head coaches that play for next year at Notre Dame when you're the head coach at Notre Dame and you're playing for next year, you're not going to be around for very long. You can't coach. You can't. You can't just accept losses in the anticipation of wins next year. You can do that with maybe real special talents at quarterback. Tyler Buckner is a good quarterback. You know, I don't know that he's the kind of guy that you do that for. There are still what eight games left in the season. Um, bowl practices. There are a lot of opportunities to get Tyler Buckner some work. Um, this weekend is not one of those opportunities. So probably best to hit pause on the, you know, is Buckner going to be ready to go into Columbus next season storyline. Um, I always felt like this year, if you were going to consider it a really good year for Notre Dame, they went 10 and two and Tyler Buckner showed promise that he could be your quarterback in the future at some point. That doesn't need, need to be at some point in September or some point in October. It could even just be some point in a bowl game. Um, and all that is still very much in play right now. By the yeah. way, Jack Cohn will not be at Notre Dame next year. He does not have another year of eligibility. I was told that just to just to confirm that. So that doesn't complicate things even further next year. This is why I don't like the playoff era. Because all of a sudden, 10 and 2 right. sucks. Right. And the rest of the season doesn't count. But let's say Drew Pine starts this weekend and leads them to seven straight victories in a new year's day bowl win. What are you going to, you're going to just hand the job over to Buckner next year. No, but you should have a wide open spring competition anyway. Yes. No matter what, unless you, I mean, if he leads him to seven straight victories and a bowl win over Ohio state and Notre Dame looks like then he could maybe he get beat I mean, by look, Tyler Buckner. Then you're in business. If he turns right? into, if Drew Pine turns into Baker Mayfield in November. Great. Yeah. Roll with that. But otherwise, I would expect that whatever happens this season will just be a sort of prologue to the, a full-on year-long quarterback competition starting in January. How about if we answer it literally, though, from Bray Beetle, six and four? What do you say about that? Is that the point that you do it? If you're what you're if six you're and Dame four, and you're six and four, and Drew Pine's been pretty good, but he's lost three games. And he's won. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a di- that's a different situation. Six and, six and three. I mean, that's what, but he did say at what point? Six. Let's say six and three. Six and three is more seems more logical. Okay. Two okay. wins, two losses. I go six and four, like because yeah. that, that would be would be coming off a loss at Virginia, um, coming home to play Georgia Tech, who's not good. That that might be a time to do that. Yeah, but I mean that's a that's so far down the road. It's just a completely different set of circumstances. Sure. Tim, go ahead. Encon thirty four. Did the offensive line meet with Harry Heastan for pointers and tips during the twenty twenty season? Uh, yeah. Let's let's clarify this. The offensive line did not meet with Harry Heastan. The four seniors met with Harry Heastan. We were aware of this. 
Um, no, and I didn't report it because I didn't think that that was a reportable thing. I thought that that would be, I thought it was too personal. I thought it was crossing a line. And if that's depriving people of information of every speck of information, and I was put in that situation again, I would once again not reveal that information. Pete, you knew about this. Yeah, I and I think that Fortuna has mentioned on our the Shamrock podcast. No, he did. That's like, yeah. That to me, I don't. I know people want to make a big deal out of it, but we mentioned it last year when the offensive line was a finalist for the Joe Moore Award and Notre Dame was going to the playoff. And like, hmm, weird. Nobody made a big deal out of it. If you had a professor that left the school who you really liked you would maintain a relationship with them. Like, do you think since like Cincinnati defensive players still have a relationship with Marcus Freeman? And I would think if Marcus Freeman lived in Cincinnati, they might actually spend time with him. It's a really weird situation. Like, I don't know another one where a coach left a job, but then actually stayed in the town where he was working. Especially South Bend. Bend. What's he thinking about? I know of one that came back. To South Bend did the exact same thing, and people would have been very unhappy about this. Charlie Weiss talked to the 2011 seniors when they had three losses, and it turned into the people. It turned into a rip fest of Brian Kelly, and the Notre Dame captains got people out of there. I mean, Harry Heastan. You know was... why? Because people don't like losing, and they like their old coach when he's gone. You love your old coach when he's gone. You go, "Oh my God, you did so many great things for me." You try to tell me all those guys like Charlie Weiss when he was coaching them. <laughs> I mean, I, let me... no, I, I hear what you're saying. And I do understand uh, uh, the initial reaction to it. I do understand it. But I mean, he's he's the guy that taught them to be to maximize their abilities. And I think it's just normal to kind of, you know, everybody you have like a touchstone that you go back to. He was their counselor. Now, you know, was he telling them to don't listen to anything the current offensive line coach says and do it this way? I you know, I don't know. Um that wouldn't be a great thing to do per se, but I don't think it would have flied real well when they almost won the Joe Moore award and we're going into the playoff game either. Yeah. It's a very so, logical uh, young man might've been like, ah, we're doing pretty well without you coach. Yeah. Now, you know, a lot of people have said, did Brian Kelly know about this? Well, I don't oh, know right. that. I don't, yeah, I don't know I that don't for know a fact, that. but of course he if, knew I had to know about that. If, I mean, at least if Samson and I knew about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I mean, that that's, that's what we know about the situation and that's what happened. And we have a question from Denver Maximus, which is Brian Kelly mentioned, everything is on the table after the Cincinnati game, besides starting pine, which most, which most people assume will happen. What other changes do you foresee coming? What is your, in your opinion, needs to be changed? What was that comment in general, or was that about the quarterbacks? I I, I think, think it was, was about the quarterbacks, but I took it in general, but it doesn't mean I took okay. it in general, okay. but like it, it sort of runs counter to like, everything is on the table. Also, this can't be the flavor of the week. Like what? No, you can't. Those, those two things are opposed to one another. I think um, so. But like, I would, I mean, I've written it. We've all written it in some way. Like I would start Drew Pine and then I would go from there. Like I, I don't think I would change a whole lot of other stuff. Um, I think the defense is a healthy spot. I wouldn't change the receiver rotation, although I miss Joe Wilkins getting hurt during the game. Um, that was news when Brian when Brian Kelly mentioned oh, to, news yeah, to me. To, yeah, he went to the tent right after that. You know, I would um, say Styles and Colsey need to get reps. I mean, come on. That one the one catch by Styles was executed nice. so beautifully, wasn't it? I mean, he broke yeah. back to the ball sharply and he turned his shoulders and he got upfield. And it was just one play. It's like, damn, that was executed really, really well. And he, huge. you know, he plays Lindsay's position. So he absolutely, again, provided that some, you know, positive things are doing and done on the practice field. And there's no reason to believe otherwise he should get more snaps. And I just think that Colsey's a, a matchup issue that you can just get him some snaps, especially if, if Austin's getting pressed, which everybody that's capable that they're going to play that's capable of pressing is going to do with him. And Colsey is just, I mean, there's, there's gotta be a, there's gotta be an easy one-on-one throw to him with his size. I'd like to see um, 
where Colsey has played. Like this was 12 snaps. He played eight snaps prior. In my mind, I always see Colsey in at midfield. I'm sure that's not exactly right, but I keep seeing Colsey in where you're not throwing him a, a really impactful 20 yard fade. Does that make sense? Like I want to. Yeah. yeah one of the, one of the problems is that they've only been in the red zone 11 times. So you, you have not my seen mind is, My those. mind is accurate. It's good. I, yeah. I'm seeing things you're, properly. You are unfortunately dead on with that. I, uh, I feel like to, to circle back to what is uh, what's on the table. I feel like that was a, yeah, we got, we, it's not having the flavor of the week at quarterback. Hey, everything's on the table because I don't want to keep talking about Jack Cohn being benched. So I'm just going to say everything's on the table and we're going to play three guards. They're going to play three guards. You mentioned that. Right. But as far as, and I, I mean, how deep can you, you, you can only go so deep on the offensive line, other changes, um, you know, change is not as a coach change is not always the reaction to adversity. I, I, I think on the outside, that's a, that's a natural, well, okay, well, you got to scrap this and do it. No, you got to keep, you got to keep working and getting the players better that you know are your best players but what other areas uh they're playing everybody on the d-line so that's not an issue uh prince collie yeah you'd like to get in the situation where you got a little bit more margin for error than right were you, were you thinking of press box put in press prince collie right now at any point no I, no I, never, that, could, that that never one cha- if i was going to make a change there i would cross train kaiser more and split Kaiser's reps between the two positions, okay. just so Bert, Bertrand can have like one or two series off. Yes, right. Um, Agreed. That would be I a really change thought, that I would make. I really thought that this was the first game where Bertrand's limitations were exposed a little bit, and part of it yep. is probably because of all the, you know, all the reps that he's taking. But they would do Cincinnati would run trips to one side, which would kind of force him to be you know, right outside the tackle box on the weak side. And when he's Zod outside Ritter's the tackle touchdown. box, yeah. yeah, when he's outside the tackle box, you know, think about the times when, and all the tackles that Bertrand's made, think about all the times when he's missed tackles. And it's usually when he's on the move outside the tackle box. Yes, Because his change of direction isn't great. You know I mean? He is the next year when Drew White's gone, you move Bertrand to Mike and that's, that's exactly where he needs to be stationed. I think he's played, really, really well. But, you know, again, you went up, uh, you, you faced a coaching staff that outcoached you in a lot of ways. And they, they, they knew how to game plan Bertrand. This is something yeah. we should, there's, I mean, this is, our, we're, we talk about this all the time with young players, like small sample size. Well, when the sample size gets bigger, not just for us, <laughs> for the opposing office coordinator. Like, in fact, it, that's way more relevant than our opinion. Yeah. Um, and they've figured out where, how you attack different players on Notre Dame's roster now in a way that Florida State couldn't. Toledo didn't know how, and Purdue like maybe looked at it after the game and be like, hmm, this is how we would have done that if we had known. And believe it or not, Notre Dame does the same thing to opponents all the time, which is why yeah. they're 47 <laughs> and 9 in their last 56 games. They do it all the time as well, but you know, we don't focus on the opposition. I don't, you know, I mean, like I'm not going to be watching Cincinnati film in a week from now. So everything that I know about Cincinnati ends right at this moment. Yeah. We should clarify on Kali. Um, he missed two weeks for COVID and was coming back from COVID for a week. He's not played enough varsity practice for us to think, put in yes. Prince Kali. I mean, if Prince Kali was with the varsity from August 8th on, I'd be thinking, why haven't they gotten Prince Kali some snaps? You miss half of a season with COVID right now. Half of the season they've played. He's yeah, his out. his snaps are they're you know hopefully you would think that in November there are yes, a lot of snaps. Totally, totally down. agree. Just there was no way it was going to be pushed in there. Wash ND. If Brian Kelly somehow still goes with Jack Cohen against Virginia Tech, does he risk losing the locker room? I think the locker room, the players respect Jack Cohen. I do too. And I yes, I I have a sense also that they're looking at this quarterback situation and saying Drew Pine needs to start this weekend as well. So, you know, I mean, I think it's a legitimate question. I don't think, you know, I don't know that Jack Cohn, who's very well liked and respected as a, you know, fine citizen of the United States, but I don't know that you're going to lose a locker room over Jack Cohn losing his starting spot. Nor do I think Jack Cohn is going to do anything to like force that issue. No, Um, no. I mean, like, 
I do think at Wisconsin, there was a little bit like, uh, what are we, are you sure? Like we want to go this way. Um, yeah. You know, and then, but then Mertz has the five touchdown game and like, but it wasn't until the end of the season when it was a totally messed up season with COVID and everything at Wisconsin that I think that there was some sort of has buyer's remorse on that decision. But, you know, after a loss, I think sort of everything's on the table. Tim, what do you do? You th- I mean, no, they're not going to lose. Jack Cohn's not the type to divide the locker room. I know people can reference the Zaire Kaiser thing, but that's that's nothing to do with this. Nothing and that's why to Tom. That's why Tommy Reese told Tom Lloyd that uh, it's the best quarterbacks room. He didn't. He didn't mean. He didn't mean this is the best quarterbacks room I've ever seen, because he's seen more talented quarterbacks room in his life than what they had last year. But he meant the cohesion of the quarterbacks room. Yeah. And Drew, Drew Pine talked about it. He said, "I am so grateful to Ian Book for dragging me along." Jack Cohn and Tyler Buck and I are best friends. We work together at all times. I believe Drew Pine. When he right. And look at, I mean, look at Cohn's demeanor with, with Pine during the game after, you know, the touchdown pass and Buckner, yeah. Buckner's always so wide eyed and, you know, enjoying himself and, and immersed in everything that's happening, whether he's in the game or not in the game, you can understand why Reese would have said that. Certainly tech Domer asks most positive in game. Sorry. Is that what That's I want? It. Yeah. Yep. Most positive in-game substitution going forward. I'm going to skip the middle one because I think that's an obvious choice. Joe Alt or Andrew Kristofik? Uh Kristofik, because Alt's 18, and that's just we're talking about sample size again. Carmody better ankle better be okay to help Joe Alt for a 75 snap game in Blacksburg in, in Lane Stadium with that noise and what is guaranteed to be a close game. I go, cause Kristoffic's going to give you 35 snaps. That's the plan. You know, he's, he's subbing for Corral. Brian Kelly said today, three guard rotation, Corral, Kristoffic, Madden. It was clarified. He's now sub. He's now yeah. sub for both of them. Right. Joe right. all yeah. needs to be sub for, I would think at some point in his first career start. So hopefully Zeke. Yeah. Can help. Yeah. Well, what is he on? Is he listed as a starter for this weekend? No, but Tosh Baker's still listed in there as well, and he's in concussion protocol, so okay. they don't. Well, list I would, but I would Jack imagine the starter on the on the depth chart. So I'm not looking at the depth chart anymore. Yeah, why? Well, and I imagine Carmody's that much better this week. I, you know, unless he really tweaked it during the game, he'd be, you know, yeah. because like when you're coming off of that, the the activity sends blood to the ankle, and the it, I mean, oh, playing tough. helps he, it recover if he, you don't he, tweak it. I felt bad for Carmody. Somebody asked on our board, how did Carmody play? So he, it looked like he was a redshirt freshman with a bad ankle that was trying to go against yeah, good players. Yeah. I, you know, I watched that real closely and he, you know, he'd get a nice wide base, but man, he wasn't moving his feet and he's trying to do all of his work with his hands. And that tells you one of two things, either the ankle's still bothering you or you're into you're indecisive and maybe it's both. ND 10-12. I believe Notre Dame will finish 11-1, but let's say for the sake of argument, they finish 9-3. and What offseason changes would you expect to happen? If you're talking about coaching changes, you should make the exact same changes you make at 9-3 and that you do at 11-1. and I mean, shortcomings are shortcomings. I don't, you know, <laughs> having been around for the Lula Holtz era when they averaged three coaching changes a year, he didn't care whether they were successful. The team was successful. If if an assistant coach was not performing, he got rid of them. Yeah, that's not Brian Kelly, though. That's not Brian Kelly. No, I agree exactly with what Priester said. This this has to be a process driven decision, not a results driven position yep. decision. And look, we've already seen five games of what this process has gotten Notre Dame. Um, just because they went four and one, I don't, you know, Brian Kelly is not going to do what people on Twitter and message boards do when they'd be like, after the Wisconsin game, and people were pointing out, like, oh, yeah, the run game's still a little bit I'm like, oh, the quarterback situation. Like, he's not going to be like, we're four and oh, that all, that's all that matters, guys. Like, just keep doing what you're doing. Like, that's not how that's going to work. So, I, if they go 11 and one, the first five games of the year will be part of that 11 and one and factor in heavily. I think uh, if they finish nine and three, the first five games of the year will have happened just as they did. And they'll factor in heavily into the decision. A question from dips 98 prediction time. Will Dell Alexander be the wide receiver coach next season? 
Will Jeff Quinn be the offensive line coach next season? Um, I don't think so. I don't think either one will return. I don't think either one will be back next year. What you guys said. Um, and there's a massive difference. I know someone listened to what Tim just said about uh, it, and, and Pete results, it's not results driven. I mean, Notre Dame's four and one and 47 and nine, or what, let's see, four and one and 14 and three, 24 and five under Jeff Quinn. No, 36 and six under Jeff Quinn and Dell Alexander these last four years. When they fired Brian Van Gorder, they were 19 and 11 with Van Gorder defenses and one and three in a totally rudderless ship that had no chance during the season. I, I, I can't get over people saying that it would benefit Notre Dame to fire a position coach like it did when they fired a court fitter that needed it. They needed to overhaul the defense. Completely different situations. Completely situation. different situations. They absolutely need to overhaul everything they were doing defensively. And that's what Mike Elston did when he came in. In the middle of the year, I'm saying. Uh, I want to slip in a question from Joseph Ramis since we're talking about coaches. Uh, and this is directed at uh, me or us, I guess. When do you think you will stop defending Tommy Reese as an offensive coordinator play caller? What will it take for you to say he's not a very good offensive coordinator? I know you think answer. about four more of four more Cincinnati games. Um, because I got this question in my sort of post-game work. And I mean, the way I'd say like I liked the approach against Wisconsin, even if it didn't work that well. So that's not just because a play doesn't work doesn't mean the offensive coordinator screwed up. Thank you. However, there are times where last weekend was one of them where I watched the game and I'm thinking like, I'm not really sure what they're trying to do here. Like, yeah. what's the approach? Um, it felt very scattershot and grab bag, especially a quarterback. Um, so I felt like last weekend was the first time this year where I was like, eh, this is not a good game for Tommy Reese. Um, regardless of what the box score ultimately said in the end. Yeah, if Notre Dame came back and won that game, I would not have said it was a good good game by Tommy Reese or Notre Dame. I'd have been probably agreeing with people saying it's the 5-0 and team that's going to get killed in the playoffs. You know, it's that's really – I thought Tommy Reese has coached all year with an arm tied behind his back, and then people say, well, why doesn't he have a say in the offensive line, blah, 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 blah. I did not think he coached a very good game under any of the circumstances presented to him in Cincinnati. And that, that happens to coordinators and head coaches all the time. I thought Brian Kelly coached a poor game. He's coached some awfully good games in the last five years. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it had to do with the quarterback situation and rotating and deciding who's going to be, I mean, the question, what will it take for you to say he's not a very good offensive coordinator more than one bad game? I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I thought that we, I thought, I mean, all along through the first four weeks of the season, we thought he was doing some, some pretty great things, create creativity wise with, as you say, Tim, one hand tied behind his back. One game's not going to change that. And I, having been in coaching, I, you know, you hate to, you hate to get out coached, but it happens sometimes. Some, th some things that you yeah. screw up on, but some things, just circumstances within athletic competition that create those situations. You hate for it to happen. Uh, and I'm not, I don't know if that's necessarily what happened here, but I think Tommy Reese, generally speaking, is a good play caller, is a creative play caller. I didn't, I agree with both you guys. I thought that that was, if you want to say worst game of the year, I think that it was, um, but I give a lot of credit to Cincinnati as well because I yeah. do think that they outcoach Nordan. And I don't want to belabor this point because I do I do agree with the modern analytics of first down running when you don't have a good running game is not the best call because you're asking for too many second and eight and second and sevens. However, I broke it down just for this past game. I didn't do I didn't do the whole season. They averaged second and eight point three to go when they ran on first down, and they averaged second and eight point three to go when they passed on first down. Now <laughs> Balance. They were balanced the, offense. The difference is because of this offensive line and the five games you've seen, you know you can't have an efficient day if you run the ball a lot on first down, where maybe you can have an efficient day if you pass on first down. Like, 
We, how many times do you have to see it happen that you can't run the ball on first okay. down with this offensive line? All right, true. But now your your wideouts are getting pressed and they can't get off the damn press. Then I, then that's it's something with your running backs and your tight end, and it's the past attack us okay. for seven yards. It hasn't happened yet. Like I don't have every answer. I know what's not an answer. Okay. A hand, Which a, is, a read option where you just give it to the running back. A, a read option with Jack. Yeah, a read option with Jack doesn't make sense, but. Okay, so when Cincinnati's in three down, which they love to do, which they were in the first play of the game, which Kyron Williams ran for 16 yards, which incidentally that, by absolutely the way, is included. It's included in the average. I know. After that, that was 12 which, for 34. By the way, the best play, the best play that Caden Madden had the entire day was the first play when he shot off the ball, engaged, scraped to the second level, and, and took the Blanco out of the play. When when they, and and let's go back to the Florida State game when Nordane was getting gashed by the running game with three down linemen. So that's when you want you, you that's when yeah. you want to run the football. You it just can't be. But what if you can't do it? You just I, can't. Do I, it. I understand, Tim. I do. I do. I understand. It was sixteen two zero two two one zero four zero one zero five because it was 34 seconds left in the half and they let them do it five zero zero two and then they stopped doing it okay but you but you agree that it's not as simple as don't run on first down no but it's (laughs) but they shouldn't run on first down (laughs) but they shouldn't they they did run I, i i admittedly i'm saying this was not a game that that was handled well offensively by Notre Dame. Okay, we move on. Go fight, win, go Irish. Brian Kelly said after the game that Drew Pine must not have done anything in practice last week to impress him enough to get the starting job versus Cincinnati. Is that coach speak defending the decision to start Cone? Did Kelly outsmart himself and not trust what he saw in Pine versus Wisconsin? Um, I thought that I, this was one of the reasons I appreciated Kelly engaging me on the the Braden Lindsay miscommunication uh, part. Cause that's something that we don't, for some reason we don't like chalk that up like, as a strike against a quarterback. It's only like when you get picked off or you get sacked. Um, a missed throw. That's a miss. A mi- yeah. A, a physical mistake. Um, but like, that's the kind of mental stuff that Reese and Kelly are evaluating every day in practice. Um, so the, the fact that just Drew Pine can run the RPO better uh, is not enough when the ability to read coverage, that's the first thing that Pine needs to do. The running ability is a complement to that. It doesn't, it's not a replacement for it. So I, I've had some, a lot of people tell me, cause I was like, look, if their name started Drew Pine, they would have lost to Cincinnati. It did, like that did not change the outcome of the game. And I know there are some people that disagree with me on that, but I, but I think that the, the occasions like the fourth down miscommunication are examples that, you know, we don't, we don't recognize enough um, about, you know, where Drew Pine has to grow the most. So I don't think the only outsmarting of themselves that Notre Dame staff did, I think was trying to play all three. Um. I agree. I mean, I agree. I mean, I do think it's some coach speak trying to, you know, defend his decision to start Cone, which, you know, I mean, even coaches get tired of being criticized about things that people don't really understand. Um, but they did, they did kind of outsmart themselves. Yeah. I think that last part, they outsmarted themselves. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree with that. I agree not, with that. But again, not getting Pine in earlier. Pine's going to, let's say Pine starts against Virginia Tech with the, the blemishes, more of the blemishes are going to be exposed, man, especially, especially in that crowd, that, that environment. Now, Nordame, I thought did a great job a couple of years ago when they went to Virginia tech of kind of taking the crowd out of it, but that's not going to happen this time because this offense can't take the crowd out, crowd out of anything. No, there would have to be a pretty big bust on the left side for, yeah, Tyree, I mean, to, for Tyree to get free for 97, like Dexter did. That was the most well-blocked play of the year, by the way, for Dexter Williams on that one. I think I speak Brian Kelly, as I like to say in this podcast, and he was trying to say if Drew Pine was that good that everybody is trying to explain right now, I would have started him over Jack Cone, guys. 
and there's a reason I wasn't sure who to start. Yeah, I, I, I like starting Cone last week is a completely logical decision, and I, I don't. It's it may look like a mistake in hindsight, but it on Saturday morning, uh, I I wouldn't have said like, oh God, what is he doing? I can't believe they're starting Jack Cone. Like no. it made it made sense to, especially everything up until the final play of the first drive. Um, you're like, oh man, they're really moving the ball. Like right, he was plan. he was six for seven up until he was brilliant. I mean, the fourth and ten pass was pinpoint. It had to be. Uh, the D yeah. who got his hand, I'm trying to think who the, the Cincinnati player was, but he actually got a finger on it, but it was, it was the absolute perfect pa- pra- pass, which, it, which reminds me of, you know, the play that we thought that Cam Hart was going to get a pick six on yeah. that, that was a perfect pass, perfect pass, right where it had to be over Hart to the receiver. So I, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're we're gonna we're, we're probably going to see uh, Drew Pine for all the good and for all the bad when he goes into Virginia Tech. Brian seven thirty nine, please compare Drew Pine's passing skills compared to Ian Book in terms of accuracy, arm strength, view of the field, etc. Uh, I mean, not as good as Ian Book in any of them, I would argue. I bet he sees the field uh, downfield on a little bit of a move possibly better than Ian Book did as a veteran when Ian knew he could get eight yards. The, uh, the, original, the original Ian Book, I thought, saw the field well moving, the, the whatever version that is, the 2018 version. Yeah, let me differentiate. I think there's a difference between seeing the field and seeing the coverage. Okay, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes, oh, for sure. He would see the coverage uh, worse than Ian Book uh, going into his freshman year than Ian Book did. Right, year. but he probably sees the field a little bit better. He, yeah. You know, I, again, I, I mean, Pine's a pass first quarterback, so he's going to keep the pass alive longer than Book did. Book would abandon and run, and sometimes to the detriment, sometimes thank God that he did run. But, um, yeah, arm strength, I'd say Book had, has a stronger arm. Accuracy, I mean, I think he's more accurate considering some of the misfires that we saw of Pine on Saturday. It's, I mean, the comparison that you have to make here, I think, it, to be fair, is you're basically comparing Drew Pine to the Ian Book who started at North Carolina. Not not last year, way in 2017. 2017. Because we're talking about a second year quarterback getting really his first he got serious, picked, serious. He got work. picked twice that day. Right. Um, yeah, that, and he definitely had a different uh, left tackle, left guard combination than what <laughs> Drew Pine will be working with on Saturday. So, but that, I mean, that's a comparison you have to make. Um, you know, it, does he see the field better than Ian Book as a sophomore? Probably. Yeah, I would, I would think so. But, you know, everyone's going to want to compare him to a fifth year senior Ian Book. And I, just, I don't think it's this even close to the same thing in any of those departments. Who had a better left tackle, left guard combination? Do you think, Pete? If they're just different, there's <laughs> if, if only got to just rotate, which they're trying to do. It's not working. Just rotate. Sean Martin, I see five opponents left with very similar identities who just happen to have more losses than Notre Dame. Rank the following outcomes realistically: ten and two, eight and four, six and six. Well, I think one of them's ridiculous. Yeah, they're already four. They're already four and one. So that's uh, you're not looking at the beginning of the year. Yeah. If all this happened in the first quarter of Florida State, you can put this more on the board. But I mean, they, they've won four games. Virginia Tech is the only remaining team that hasn't already lost twice. I mean, the teams that are coming up, Notre Dame should beat. Which well, we all agree, little, six and six is by far the. Yeah, I, even, that's not in, in play when you're four and one. I mean, if they're yeah, eight and four, impossible. eight and four. If they're eight and four, that's a huge indictment on the coaching staff. I I, I mean. Like- Ten, like I think they're going to finish ten and two. I do too. Well, I, you know, I made my bold prediction after the game, and I and I realize that that ten and two is probably more likely, just just because of of uh, the offensive line. I mean, yes, just because of the offensive line. But but by the same token, I look at Virginia Tech and USC and North Carolina and Navy and at Virginia and Georgia Tech and at Stanford. Right now, Stanford is the one. I mean, they found their quarterback. Tanner McKee's got 11 touchdown passes and zero interceptions. Um, and I would imagine that, that you know, uh, David Shaw 
was very optimistic about his team going into the season. I don't think that was coach speak. I think he truly believed that this team was going to come around. Now they have a quarterback that's tied it all together. Um, that's seven games from now, so who knows? But yeah, I, Pete, I was you know, Tim. When you said offensive line, obviously we were all thinking the same thing. That's why they will probably lose one more game as the offensive line. But don't they probably have the second best quarterback in four games coming up? Who boy? Uh, huh? What? I mean Stanford, North Carolina, maybe USC. You, oh, you mean in that game? It's Notre, Dame, Notre Dame in that game. Quarterback deficit. Well, maybe, maybe quarterback deficit. Maybe Armstrong. I have Armstrong from Virginia too. Yeah, that's, yes. well, that's my that's my fourth game. So I mean, what about Burmeister? And, and no, yeah, you know, I no, yeah, no, I, no, I, no, I like okay. okay. I like some of the things that Burmeister does, but they, they're struggling to score. The four games. More of that on Thursday. But, but what about, I mean, Sims is a second-year starter at Georgia Tech. Uh, I mean, he's still, he's still pretty erratic. I, I hear four, that. Four is, four is fair, though, to surmise that, along with an offensive oh, no, line. It's, it's, gonna lose no, fair is – four is accurate. I mean, Brennan Armstrong is averaging 394 yards no, passing he's good. per game. He's good. And he can run it too. He's good. Uh, can can we say that? Can we point out how good other opponents no, are? I no, them to beat, I no. predicted them to beat Notre Dame, so definitely don't talk about Virginia. I, I regret everything I just said. He's second in the country in total offense. Yes, this yes. is a good timely question. Not Jay Tafel one Priester. Could you elaborate why you think Notre Dame will win out? Okay, well that's why I stuck it right there because I because I think because I still think that Notre Dame has a lot going for it. I think that the defense is going to continue to get better. Uh, I think if you go with Drew Pine at quarterback, it's going to stabilize the position. I'm not saying that he's going to solve all their problems, but I think it'll stabilize the position and allow them, you know, if he can take off and run a little bit, it can help the, it can help the run game in general. Uh, I, I, I don't allow one game for me to change my opinion about an entire season unless, unless you're, you know, like a, quarterback goes down or you know yeah, something yeah. like a significant player really really goes down and that hasn't happened yet so I think Notre Dame still has a lot going forward I don't let one game change my opinion I don't think the remaining opponents are that good um, and I think that the offense will get better with Drew Pine at quarterback just for the consistency and the stabilization of the offense with continuity quarter continuity in the offense right now. And I think it presents an option. Like we Pete said three weeks ago, was it? Twenty three read options, twenty three handoffs. That yep. Doesn't have to stay that way, right? No. I mean right, you so, saw uh, Desmond Ritter at the very end of the game where the quarterback keeps it, it'd be pretty effective. What's more likely? Eight and four or eleven and one? Eight and four. Yeah, because I could see them losing to those four quarterbacks plus Virginia Tech. I, le- I don't see how you can go 11-1 and unless the offensive line like really comes around. And I just don't. I don't well, let's, put it this, let, let's put it this way. It's a pick em game this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see. Well, I saw one and a half, but that's well, a pick em game. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. All right. At I some was point, you got to be like, wait a minute. They went to overtime against Florida State. They were down in the fourth quarter against Toledo. Um, they were losing early in the fourth quarter of Wisconsin. Like, all this stuff. Like, you say one game doesn't change your prediction, but like, now you're kind of no, like, I get it. I, I, I get look it. at the five games differently now after last weekend. Now, I, I, I get it. And I've said all those things and I've written them a thousand times. I, I get it. Um, I was feeling a little froggy after the game, but. Uh, you didn't I'll, catch me off balance. I was holding the mic. I was like, oh, 11-1. <laughs> no, because, because at that point, I, what, what I was thinking was, okay, they're going to go to Drew Pine, and Drew Pine's going to stabilize things. Right. I realized that's not a solve-all issue. And, you know, I, it was, I was probably stepping out just to see if, you know, I could throw a dart. And... Hey, but the last time you said it, it wasn't quite uh, that bold. Barbecue but it sauce. was after the Georgia game. You did say they would get to the bye. Yeah, but game. whatever, whatever. I, okay, I went for it, and I'll stick with it until they lose again, and then I'll have to change my opinion about that. Uh, Tam tweets, I thought that was Notre Dame's best pass pro all season. Three-step drop on a fly, fly route doesn't require the same time 
as a five-step concept route with read progression? It's more of a statement than a question. I mean, the pass pro was the best of this. It, it was, yeah. Relative but they also speaking. they also kept two running backs in several times to make sure that that it was. Which, if you have to do that, you have to do that. But you hope right. that your whiteouts can get off press coverage, which they didn't do a real good job of. Hey, Braden Lindsay's best game since Stanford, two thousand nineteen. Right? Sure. He actually did what we said he needed to do for order to win the game: make a couple plays plus a deep one yeah. for a touchdown. Yeah, that was he, yeah. He, yeah, he used his hand to push the DB out of the way and came back to a 50-50 ball and scored a touchdown. Yeah, he needs to do that more. Um, yeah, pass pro was better. It Second was half better. Two. It was better two. with Joe all in a lineup. Whether that was all him or, it, of course, it wasn't all him. It was. It was no. They did a good job. Now I don't know. I'd have to study exactly what Cincinnati did with their pass rush and stuff, but you know, and that. I mean, they go three. They go three man front and drop eight all the time too. Everybody does that to a certain extent. Yeah. Well, I like that question. I mean, Brian Kelly kind of detailed it today, saying, "Yeah, our our backs helped us in the block when we were staying in the block. We were getting blitzes yeah. off the tackle, and they helped it. And then we had three guys against eight, and one on one was over. So you had two guys against seven. Every Maybe. defense, every defense does that. It's not a prevent defense. It's a it's an eight-man drop to try to defend the zones. And, yeah, you know, we, we always notice when it doesn't work. I don't think that we – very rarely do we recognize when it does, which it obviously does frequently. Otherwise, people wouldn't be doing it. Otherwise, every defense in the country wouldn't have something like that. Grumpy Leprechaun, do you really think Brian Kelly is holding this program back? Wow, I didn't see that one coming. And give an honest assessment oh. of Tommy Reese as an offensive coordinator. I did not pre-read that question. He does say he is a grumpy leprechaun. <clears throat> I can vouch for that, knowing him on our message board. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, fair question. Um, Was it a fair question that Brian Kelly's holding the program <laughs> well, back? Well, from the standpoint <laughs> Not a of, fair question. Listen, from the standpoint of, is he a national championship oh. head coach? But, is he? I don't know who's uh, the well, next one. Won one. Yeah, I guess not. But who's? It's not loser think like I see on our board all the time. But I don't think the next guy's actually going to be better than Brian Kelly. I don't think he's going to break Brian Kelly's record and go to three championship slash playoff games and happen to win one of them. I I agree, but wait. I mean, the question wasn't who's the guy to succeed him. The question was, is I mean, he's whole. Well, I think he's saving them from going eight and five a lot perpetually, like they used to go under Brian Kelly. Yeah. Is he going to win a national championship in Notre no, Dame? Because no. they because that right now they're on the cusp of that. The next thing is to win a national championship. Is he holding them back from winning a national title? Is he going to win a I national think Nick title? Nick Saban's holding Dame? them back from winning a national title. Yeah, I those I are two different questions. Like, is he holding them back, and are they going to win it? Are those are two questions? I think okay. Nick Saban Agreed. in Alabama Agreed. would light up Urban Meyer in Notre Dame in three years. I. Okay. Maybe by less. How's that? <laughs> there'd be there'd be some more there would be some more talent at Notre Dame if that was the matchup. All course. right. I understand your guys' reaction to holding them back because that that's a that's an indictment. And Brian Kelly has brought them to the cusp of competing for a national championship. Yeah, there is another yes. coach somewhere in the world that could possibly get them to a national championship game to lose to Alabama. Yeah. And an honest assessment of Tommy Reese, you know, we already addressed this. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you, we're trying to break it down and study it. We're trying not to react like a, a drunk fan during a game. <laughs> I'm grumpy. I'm not saying that you're a drunk fan during a game, but a lot of the, a lot of the opinions and analysis is offered by people that are, that kind of have an eye on a football game and things aren't going well. And so Brian Kelly sucks and, Tommy Reese sucks. I mean, we we try to break it down and look at how things are being handled on a play-to-play basis. And I think considering the circumstances, Tommy Reese is handling things on a play-to-play basis pretty damn well. And since it was asked after the Cincy game, we do not think he did a good job coordinating the offense of the Right. I mean, we're in ag- we're in agreement with that. But uh I mean Oregon just lost to why, Stanford. Why won't you go to his house and slap him across the face, Tim? Why won't you do that? What are you uh, afraid of? 
and I and I think that you know I, I know this for a fact that a lot that the opinion is that we should challenge Brian Kelly at every press conference and try to piss him off by asking him questions that aren't di- diplomatic. I mean, I asked him three questions about the quarterback position immediately after the game. I tried to be very diplomatic because I'm trying to be a professional and trying to to do our jobs professionally. Well, you'd like an answer too. That helps when you're diplomatic, when you ask a question. We're we're there to learn and report, not vent on your behalf. That is exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean. Or on your own behalf. Right. It's, it's served me pretty well for 40 years. And I think I'm just going to go ahead and continue to abide by that. Andy Irish CO, maybe Colorado. I don't know how many four and one FBS teams fired their entire office and staff this past weekend. Is Notre Dame looking to pick up any of them? <laughs> well, Missouri fired, Missouri fired their defensive line coach, but I don't think Notre Dame has an opening there. No, they don't. Texas A&M uh, fell to three and two after Jimbo Fisher lost at home to Arkansas and Mississippi State, and Florida lost to Kentucky for their first loss last week. You know what's holding Jimbo Fisher's program back? Being in the same half of a conference with Alabama. Yeah. 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 For Brian Kelly, it's just playing the same sport as Alabama, though. Yeah. You know, uh, UCLA is another one that, wow, they were the darling after beating LSU. Yeah. Now they have, they have two losses. Um, winning, is, winning is difficult. Again, one of those things that people don't want to hear. Uh, but. It is. I, I mean, I don't even know how to take the question if it's serious. If they're... no, he was joking. Okay, it was well said too. I like his. Uh, it's already looking to pick oh, up the well, fired yeah, the coaches. Second, yeah, the yeah. second part of it certainly does that. But uh, yeah, it's tough. And and that was our last question, so we are going to wrap up with this one. But uh, here's what coaching staffs do after a tough loss like that: they just go back to work and do what they do, and try to coach hard and try to relate to their players and try to encourage them and try to correct problems. And you can't throw your hands up. And did you like that Pete about the drunk watching? Because there's a lot yeah. of that going on. Oh, and I want to, I, I actually don't mind the, I mean, I think it's weird to go to a message board, but I don't mind the frustrated fan question after losing a game like that. I mind what's being somehow filled into their brains that this can all be fixed with this magical, great move of just removing Tommy Reese and Jeff Quinn and something or removing the, the, the coach of the day that you don't think is doing a good job. And it's so obvious, except to Brian Kelly. I mean, Brian Kelly spends a lot of time trying to better his program. Now, am I critical of him for bringing back Van Gorder after the 10 and three season that should have been 12 and one? Sure. How are you going to replace the offensive line coach of the number two Joe Moore award offensive line when they go to the playoff last year in the off season. Do you think urban Meyer would replace that's okay. That the offensive is a, line coach. That's after a, going. That's a tough replacement. That's a tough replacement, a but tough. there's a, but there's another spot on the offense sure. where they're, they're not consistent enough and players are not being developed quickly enough. I just don't think people are quite as mad at that one. I'm just saying that it's just like, you, you literally can't come in second for the Joe Moore Award, go play in the playoff and say, you know what? I think it's about time we make that change. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a good tough, point. That's, a, that's a difficult one. But I, but I am – I mean, I just remember that, that Lou Holtz – and, again, times have changed. The way you handle players is so different than back then. I mean, Lou, Lou Holtz couldn't coach the way he coached now. <laughs> Quite literally handled players, I believe. <laughs> yes. yes. Right, right. Yeah, and and referees sometimes. When yeah. Remember the, the showing the the uh, actual horse collar of, of, of the opponent? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Look, they're, 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 um, Notre Dame needs to, they need to coach better and they need to play better, as Brian Kelly said. <laughs> oh, which no. Is, which is, <laughs> oh, no. which is, which ending. is, after watching this game is it's an absolute true statement because they do need to, they do need to do a better job. They, they appreciate, I appreciate this from today's presser because like we hear we need to coach better, but then we don't always like get really good examples of it. And I appreciated him essentially taking responsibility for Kevin Austin, Austin's drop 
which I, I which I did not see coming at all. And then he sort of explained like we need to rotate him more. We need to practice against press coverage better. Like that, I thought that was a refreshing bit of candor about like this is what coaching better actually means. So it's like they're they're on it. Like they, I think they sort of see buttons to push, but it that those those buttons are not like ejector buttons. Like it's just more go back to work type stuff. And that's what they'll do in preparation for Virginia Tech this week. And on Thursday, we will take, we will delve deeply into Virginia Tech. I think this is a, although again, seeing a point spread, Tim, it concerns me, but I do think my, my initial look at Virginia Tech, um, you know, I think there are some things that Notre Dame can do offensively, but I thought there were some things against Cincinnati that didn't uh, prove true. Yeah, Tim. If you want to go to our old rule of, pick like you would two weeks ago Notre Dame was favored by three and a half before the Cincinnati game started so there is a reaction to what Notre Dame looked like against yeah. Cincinnati and I think it all stems from the offensive line I mean I yeah. don't well on the quarterback situation too certainly so but that's tied together we've gone long we appreciate you joining us we'll be back Thursday join us on Thursday for Irish Illustrated Insider Notre Dame Football Heritage Project is documenting the Notre Dame football fan experience and we'd love to hear your game day stories. Commemorate your first ND game with the purchase of a customized certificate and help support the Araparsegian Medical Research Fund. To learn more, visit ndcertificate.com.